Good morning, everyone. This is Father Nate, missionary priest in Italy. Thanks for joining us today, January 22nd, on No Greater Delight, our podcast on Marian Feast and Marian Meditations. Well, today is a relatively calm day in terms of uh, Marian Feasts and Apparitions. Uh, ancient, anciently, uh, I don't even know if that's a word, but traditionally, they celebrated the Eve of the Espousals of Our Lady, particularly in France, like the Betrothal of Our Lady. I'm told that this feast was celebrated privately in France many years ago by devout persons and was approved by Pope Paul III in 1546. Likewise, a couple of days ago, on the 17th, we mentioned Our Lady de la Fortuna, uh, Our Lady of Fortune, or, yeah, yeah, good good fortune, I suppose, in Genoa, Italy. Again, we mentioned that there was a wooden statue, which was on the uh, the boat, an Irish boat, that had shipwrecked in the port of Genoa on January 17th, 1636. But it was today, the 22nd, that it was recovered from that same sea in which it had uh, the boat had sunk. It quickly became famous for many graces and miracles that were given to the faithful, and it is venerated in the church of Saints Carlo e Vittore. And lastly, if you remember, yesterday we celebrated Our Lady of Altagracia. Today we celebrate Our Lady of Charity, La Nuestra Señora de la Caridad. And this is a feast particular to San Sebastián de los Reyes in Aragua, Venezuela. So Luis Jiménez de Rojas brought an image of Our Lady of Charity from Spain to his chapel that he had at his house in El Chaparral, which is now the town of San Juan de los Morros in the state of Guarico. Now, unfortunately, in 1691, the, that house, the hacienda, burned down. However, our la- the image of Our Lady was found in the ruins, intact, with her lamp still burning. And as a result, this gave rise to great popular devotion. On January 22nd, 1692, the Bishop of Caracas installed the image in the village church of San Sebastián de los Reyes and authorized the foundation of a confraternity, to undertake the construction of a new sanctuary. Now, that church, uh, the Church of Our Lady of Charity, was completed in 1725. The confraternity, I'm told, is still active. In 1959, Pope Pius XII authorized the solemn coronation of the image, which took place the following year, on January 22, 1960. Now, the Virgin of Charity shares annual festivities with the town's co-patron, as you might guess, San Sebastian, St. Sebastian, whose feast day is January 20th. However, her image travels through the area ahead of time, right? Tracing in reverse the pilgrimages to occur in her honor. On the 21st, a parade of offerings is brought to the Virgin's altar, followed by an evening serenade with traditional mariachi music. On the 22nd, between the early morning hours of 5 and 6 a.m., the morning procession takes place along all the streets of the city, accompanied by bands and mariachis. Later, the feast features craft sales, food, ball games, dancing, concerts, and, interestingly enough, bull-tailing, which is when a cowboy on horseback tries to bring down a bull by wrapping its tail around his leg. Uh, children, don't try that at home. In fact, don't try that anywhere. It doesn't sound very safe. Um, but anyways, that's the way they celebrate Our Lady of Charity. And those are our feasts for today, January 22nd. So today, as we continue working our way through St. John Henry Newman's Meditations on Mary, Our Mother, taken from selections of his writings, we continue through the chapter entitled The Immaculate Conception. And today's selection is entitled Two Ladders, taken from Newman's Memorandum on the Immaculate Conception. 
So let's hear what John Henry Newman has to say about these two ladders, and you'll hear that he makes a lot of references to the fathers of the church. These are some of the earliest saints that we have. As to primitive notion about our Blessed Lady, really, the frequent contrast of Mary with Eve seems very strong indeed. It is found in St. Justin, St. Irenaeus, and Tertullian, three of the earliest fathers, and in three distinct continents, Gaul, Africa, and Syria. For instance, the knot formed by Eve's disobedience was untied by the obedience of of Mary. That what the Virgin Eve tied through unbelief that the Virgin Mary unties through faith. So again, this uh, just a little interruption here that comes from the writings of Saint Irenaeus, and actually, it's this writing of Saint Irenaeus that is very old, where the devotion of uh, Our Lady Undoer of Knots comes from. Again, Irenaeus said, "The knot formed by Eve's disobedience was untied by the obedience of Mary. That what the Virgin Eve tied through unbelief, that the Virgin Mary unties through faith." And I will continue with John Henry Newman. Again. The Virgin Mary becomes the advocate, the paraclete, of the Virgin Eve, that as mankind has been bound to death through a virgin, through a virgin it may be saved, the balance being preserved, a virgin's disobedience by a virgin's obedience. Again, that's also from St. Irenaeus. Again, as Eve, becoming disobedient, became the cause of death to herself and to all mankind, so Mary too, bearing the predestined man, and yet a virgin, being obedient, became the cause of salvation, both to herself and to all mankind. Again, Eve being a virgin and incorrupt, bore disobedience and death. But Mary the virgin, receiving faith and joy, when the angel Gabriel evangelized her, answered, Be it unto me, etc. Again, what Eve failed in believing, Mary by believing hath blotted out. And all of those texts are actually quotes from the fathers of the church. The first ones are from Irenaeus, but then he doesn't mention where the other ones come from. But that's okay. Continuing. Now, can we refuse to see that, according to these fathers, who are the earliest of the early, Mary was a typical woman like Eve, that both who were endued with special gifts of grace, and that Mary succeeded where Eve failed? Moreover, what light they cast upon St. Alphonsus' doctrine of a talk of a talk is sometimes made of the two ladders. You see, according to these most early fathers, Mary undoes what Eve had done. Mankind is saved through a virgin. The obedience of Mary becomes the cause of salvation to all mankind. Moreover, the distinct way in which Mary does this is pointed out when she is called by the early fathers an advocate. The word is used of our Lord and the Holy Spirit. Of our Lord as interceding for us in his own person, of the Holy Spirit, as interceding in the saints. This is the white way, as our Lord's own special way is the red way, namely, of atoning sacrifice. Further still, what light these passages cast on two texts of Scripture? Our reading is, She shall bruise thy head. Now this fact alone of our reading, She shall bruise, has some weight. For why should not, perhaps, our reading be the right one. But take the comparison of Scripture with Scripture and see how the whole hangs together as we interpret it. A war between the woman and the serpent is spoken of in Genesis. Who is the serpent? Scripture nowhere says to the 12th chapter of the Apocalypse. There at last, for the first time, 
the spirit is the serpent is interpreted to mean the evil spirit. Now, how is he introduced? Why, by the vision again of a woman, his enemy. And just as is in the first vision in Genesis, the woman has a seed, so here a child. Can we help saying then that the woman is Mary in the third of Genesis? And if so, and our reading is right, the first prophecy ever given contrasts the second woman with the first, Mary with Eve, just as St. Justin, St. Irenaeus, and Tertullian do. Moreover, see the direct bearing of this upon the Immaculate Conception. There was war between the woman and the serpent. This is most emphatically fulfilled if she had nothing to do with sin. For, so far as anyone sins, he has an alliance with the evil one. 